Welcome to Creative Conversations, a podcast series where our students and volunteers meet with local role models in the creative industries. They will tell us firsthand their career paths and how they got to where they are today, hopefully inspiring the next generation of creatives who live and study in the borough, as well as our listeners. This podcast is brought to you by Morley Radio and the Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea. We're honoured to be launching Creative Conversations with a series of episodes highlighting the achievements of black creatives in our community as part of celebrating Black History Month. Our guest joining us today remotely is Pepe Francis, leader of champion steel band group Ebony, which he formed in 1969. Ebony have gone on to win the Panorama competition 22 times to date, and Pepe's work for the youth and community led him to receive both an MBE from Prince Charles in 2011 for his services to Steel Pan Music, as well as the Mayor's Award for his voluntary work in the Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea. Pepe is currently Director of the Notting Hill Carnival Trust Enterprise and has been the President of the British Association of Steel Bands for over 30 years. Thank you very much for being part of Creative Conversations as part of this year's Black History Month, Pepe. So, first of all, tell us tell us about yourself. Um, I was born in the Caribbean. And I grew up in Trinidad um, and Tobago. Um, I did most of my schooling there, and then I came here in 1961. And um, I spent nine years in the army here, um, and left the army basically to to look after my this, this steel man that I'm still looking after now. So that's in a short sentence. That's what I, that's how I came. And what was it that made you actually want to form a steel band group? Um, I didn't actually form the steel band. When I came home on leave, the steel band was um, actually going on. There was about four four guys was rehearsing in in um in a backyard in Acton in a shed, a garden shed, and I went and saw them there and. Um, they wanted to actually expand into a larger band, but they were just doing it because they they were from Trinidad and they wanted to carry on playing pan because they were playing pan when they were home. Um, and I thought that's you know a good idea. Let's try and expand the band. So I, and a couple of times that I came back on leave, I um, looked at areas where we could get moved the band to because obviously more people couldn't fit in a garden shed. And eventually we got some space in the Caribbean center in Acton. And um, from when we moved in there, and by that time I had left the army anyway. So we, um, and we started to rehearse there. And the band just grew from there. And did you have a f- time when you did your first session publicly? Oh gosh, that's that, <laughs> that's going back a long way. I think our first gig was at Harefield Hospital up in um, Ealing, just past Ealing. Um, we that I think that was one of the places we were we were most popular place for us to to do to do performances. 
So I think that was one of our first gigs. And that time, it must have been really exciting and, and, and very enjoyable as well. But what are the things that you think that you learned around the time when you first formed it? Uh, I think the, I looked at the difficulties in actually recruiting play, people to come and play. Um, and then looking at growing a, a massive steel band, um, you know, it was a challenge. And I looked at that. Plus, it wasn't just, we did, it wasn't just um, wanted to be a steel band. We wanted to do carnival as well. So we, we, we had a costume element as well. So we weren't just steel band, we were steel band and costumes. So I think that was the first challenges that, we, that I had. So how did you manage to recruit people and keep them? Um, by word of mouth, really. Um, people just came because they were interested in playing pan. A lot of the old pan players who started the, with the band um, were ex-pan players from Trinidad or from one of the other islands, from Grenada or wherever. And um, it started from there and then a lot of because of the costume side, a lot of people who came to play mass, as we call it, um, got interested in playing pan. Um, so the, the the both things developed around at the same time. Wow, that's that's really interesting. And in terms of over the years, that the, the challenges that you faced, um, what do you think was the thing that kept you going, and and how you over came the, the various problems that you faced? How, how did you keep going? Well, the first challenge we, we faced was when the building that we were rehearsing in, the um, Caribbean Centre in Acton, um, got, got burned down. And we had to find other accommodations. And we had to move and salvage what pans was, 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 was left. And and we'd find, we, then, we then moved to a place in Paddington called the Crypt. And um, that was an old church, and we had we was in the basement of this old church, and we used to have to rehearse there. And if it rained, then you were up to your ankles in water. But we um, so those were the kind of challenges that we had. I mean, we moved a, a few times. We moved from the crib. Um, we went to the um, up in Queens Park to the center up there, names um, don't come to mind now, but, um, and from Queens Park, um, we moved, and that was a challenge because we couldn't leave the pans in the, um, in the center. We used to have to offload, rehearse, and then load back it onto the van every time we went to practice. So like three times a week, we would be doing that. And that, you know, wasn't any way to encourage new members. But um, the Granville Center, that's where we were. And um, eventually I found a space down in Acklam, in Acklam Road, um, at the back of Acklam Play Center. And um, that's where we moved to from Granville Center. We moved down there. And we settled there and we were... We were there for nearly thirty years. Um, it was it was an old shed in the back of the center, but um, in the end, in, um, we 
decided we wanted to make it a permanent space. So um, the then um, leader of the council, um, Nicholas Freeman, he gave he gave us a grant, um, and we went to the then GLA and Herman Usley. Um, he gave us the other half of the grant, so and we were able. It came. It was fifty thousand each, and we were able to build a rehearsal space at the back of Akron Play Center, adjoining to the Play Center, and. Um, that's where we, we were for, like I said, nearly 30 years. So, you know. And you talked about Carnival. Um, what were the challenges around Carnival and performing there? Um, there's never a challenge performing in Carnival. I mean, it's what we look forward to throughout the year. Because we had a, a mass band or costume band, as, as you say, call it, um, we, you know, we looked forward to that. The people who were portraying the costumes look forward to coming out on the road with us. So um, it it wasn't um, a challenge as such. The challenge was basically uh, setting up or staying up for all those nights, and you know, and then you come to that bank holiday weekend, and it's you're going from you know from the week before right through to Monday night. It's it it was hard, but it was what we enjoyed. I mean it's no different today, really. And if you look back on all of those years and the times um, from the beginning, what is it that you think that you've enjoyed the most? Um as far as the steel band is concerned, the thing I enjoyed or I felt I achieved with the steel band was um, taking the steel band to the European festival and winning that and eventually going to the world festival in Trinidad, in Trinidad and twice um, came third in that. So I think coming third in the world was uh, a big achievement as far as I could see in terms of and playing classical music um, to achieve that was another um, sort of big bonus as far as I was concerned. That's a fantastic achievement. Um, sounds like it made you very happy. Would you say that that would be the, your proudest career moment or is there also something else that, that happened? I think that my proudest career moment, if I want to be honest, is when we entered the the World Steel Band Panorama in Trinidad. And, um, you know, it was always my ambition to see Ebony Steel Band on that big stage performing in a, in a, a panorama, a, a panorama against all the top bands in Trinidad. Um, and when, when I finally got on that stage with Ebony Steel Band from England, it was, I think, uh, my, I think I'd, I've achieved just about everything I wanted to achieve. That's amazing. Did you ever feel nervous when you were performing? Uh, when, well, not me performing, it's when the band's performing. I, I've, had, I, I've had my anxious moments. Uh, believe me, I have anxious moments up to today. When, when, 
when we're doing any performances because what I expect and the the the, the, the performance that I expect my band to, to produce, um, you know, I am always a bit on tender hooks that they are going to produce it. I mean, most the majority of times they do, but in um, that don't stop me from even this year when we had to do the panology and stuff, and we were rehearsing every night for that. Um, I was still nervous when we actually went to record it. So, you know, but um, now I've uh, I've always had anxious moments, especially um, a lot of my anxious moments, um, very anxious moments when we when we're traveling, and because we have traveled a lot to, around the world. You know, I've had some anxious moments, you know, with that, you know, and sometimes if we have arrived, the band has arrived and you're still waiting for the instruments to come by by road. And, you know, I remember we did a, a show in, um, in Morocco and we were playing for the princess and we arrived there the day before and the instruments had to arrive the, by the next morning so that we can be ready to play in the evening and uh, at two o'clock in the afternoon the van hadn't arrived with the instruments and you got all you know, thousands of people gathered and you know you're expecting the princess to come on with all the Moroccan royalties and all that uh, so you know that was <laughs> That was a moment that I, I don't think I'll ever forget. Um, it was in a place called Rabat. Um, but at three o'clock, when I saw that van come around the corner, you know, I, 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 my anxiousness really then went, you know, but yeah. Yeah, I suppose that the performance anxiety, whoever performs, it, it's part of, the, part of the job in a way, isn't it? But it looks like... You've written with it very well. Um, so going back to um, you know your roots um, and your culture and the heritage that that you know that is within the steel pan uh, music world. How do you think that that has helped you? Um, I was always involved in steel pan from when I was eight years old. Um, I was playing steel pan when I was eight years from eight years old. I used to. Um, to the, to the disgust of my father, but um, my mother sort of encouraged me. And so when I came here, um, when I got involved in Steel Man here, it wasn't a surprise to me. It was, it, I had that love for it from since I was going to school, since I was small. So, um, I mean, the, the whole system has changed now and the, the pan has evolved since my day. But um, you know the the pan now is a full instrument. It's a full orchestra. You know it's everything that you know we didn't. A lot of it we, we didn't have in my day. So I mean now uh, the, the the instrument is more for the younger people because the the way it's tuned and um, played now is a lot different to my day. Um. So with the spotlight on um, the Black Lives Matter movement you know, this month, um, which is obviously recently focusing on racial inequalities, what's your, exper your experience with that? And what do you think would make a positive difference? 
Uh, that's a difficult one for me because I support the Black Lives Matter. I mean, my some of my children is involved with organizations that are in in Black Lives Matter um, movement. I would like to see um, that when it's when it's um, when they are protesting or when they're uh, you know making a making an, um, a mark um, that it's it doesn't lead into the violence that I see some of it turns into. Um, I think nothing come, good comes out of any kind of violence. I've been on marches in London um, in my early days, um, you know, the Mangrove 7 and all that, all those type of marches and the, the, the new crossfire and stuff like that. But it, most of it has always turned out in some kind of confrontation with the police. Um, I'd like to see the Black Lives Matter marches um, and protests be peaceful ones, but have the right impact on it. Um, and I'd like to see the people who is really coming on these marches are there for the purpose of, you know, making, having, making their voice heard that, that, you know, black lives do matter. Um, but for some of the, some reasons, I think at the moment, I mean, every time there's a, a march or demonstration in Whitehall, I phone my sons and ask them, you know, are you going to be there because I don't want them involved in any sort of confrontation that might take place? Because you're not going to, you're not going to win anything. I mean, we have to protest. We have to gain some kind of ground. We have, I mean, you know, but I always say that Britain is not America. You know, America, it's it's brutal and it's it's really bad. I don't think we have the same. Um, I, I don't know how to put it, but we don't have the same kind of brutality from the the uh, authorities that you have in America. So I think we here we have the opportunity to to do it in a peaceful way but still make the impact that you need to make. I mean, we don't, we don't need to be pulling down statues and stuff like that. Although some of the statues, we can, we can say that they should be down because they represent, you know, what we are suffering from. And, you know, but, and I'm sure if you, if you made the point well enough, they would be removed, you know, but um, doing this on a march only causes the confrontation. And, you know, now we have, and they, the left and the right, and you know we have people coming from uh, all the way up north to confront. So maybe I'm, I, I, I've just gotten old and don't understand the, how the young people thinks in this way. But I personally see it that we have to do it in a peaceful way. I mean, the footballers and the sports people are doing it to me the right way when they take a knee, you know. We can all we can all look at various ways along that format. I don't think that you've you're too old, Pepe, or you know the, all of the work that you've done for youth and the community over the years. You now have an MBE from Prince Charles. You have a Mayor's Award for your voluntary work. I think you know people 
people really need to listen to to what you say, and I'm sure they do generally anyway. Um, but what sort of advice might you have for people sort of out there thinking about a career with the pan? Um, we, I mean, we run classes here every day, every week. I mean, sorry, twice a week. Um, we have a junior band that means we have we have people teaching pan in schools. So we try to get them. It's not something we want the people to be forced into. I think it's something that people should want to do. And that's why we ha they have steel pan in the schools. Now, out of the schools, we get recruits coming in because they've learned it in school and they want to carry on. There's others who learn it in school but don't want to carry on. They're only too glad to not have to do it after they leave school. So that's the way that um, I see it. It's, you have to recruit from the younger people. You have to go to the youth clubs. You have to, you know, go to the different organizations that might have people interested in it. Um, and even with adult people, we run, we run an adult class um, on a Tuesday. And be surprised the amount of adults, you know, grown adults now that, wants uh, to play and would want want to learn, so we have a class for that, and I'm sure there's a couple of other bands that do that do the same thing, because people after they've lived life uh, and they they pass their thirties and forty, they something like that, uh, you know, is um, interesting for them, and it's a challenge, so they will take it up, but for the young people, I see it. Um, they can look at it as a career because a lot of my players that pass through this band have gone on to teach or are now doing working as performers, whether it be um, gigging on, or, well, before the, the, the pandemic, was doing a lot of cruise ship work and stuff like that. So there is always a career. I always see that as an alternative to your university. Pepe, thank you so much for um, talking to us today. It's been a real pleasure and what a wonderful man you are. <laughs> pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more Black History Month news and events, please visit the Black History Month page on the Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea and Morley College website. Follow us on Twitter at RBKC and Instagram on at Kensington and Chelsea and at Morley Radio.